I guess I grew up on an older road A pedal to the metal Always did what I was told Until I found out that my brand new clothes I came second hand from the rich kids next door And I grew up fast I guess I grew up mean There's a thousand things inside my head I wish I ain't seen And now I just wander through a real bad dream Or feeling like I'm coming apart at the seams But thank you Jack Daniels Oh, oh number seven Tennessee whiskey got me drinking in heaven And uh, angels start to look good to me They're gonna have to deport me to the fiery deep uh, Thank you Jack Daniels Oh, oh number seven And welcome back to the Prescott Arts Beat This is your host Andrew Johnson Schmidt you're listening to KJZA 89.5 FM or in Prescott 90.1 FM or over the internet at www.coyoteradio.org. And we're talking about arts and culture in the Quad Cities area. For those of you who just moved here from Davis, California, you're saying, what are these Quad Cities you're talking about? Well, I'll tell you. Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley, and the Republic of Dewey Humboldt. And we talk to people every week, uh, trying to cover all the arts and culture that passes through our Fairburg. And uh, we've got kind of a fun thing here. We've got a uh, nationally touring uh, band, uh, an alternative band, an Americana band. Hard to put your finger on it. Maybe the best band you can't put your finger on. And these guys are coming through playing at Prescott College at the uh, Crossroads Center. If you haven't been to the Crossroads Center since they put it up, my friend, don't be put off by the rust. Go inside. It's an amazing architectural uh, uh, facet for our town. This is a, uh, a show that will be raising money for Food Not Bombs and uh, also for the Catalyst Info Shop over on McCormick in the old McCormick Art District behind uh, Prescott Coffee Roasters. I have here on the line Pete from uh, The Devil Makes Three. Welcome, Pete. Hi. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Now, you guys are playing uh, here in town on Tuesday, October 21st, 8 p.m., at uh, the Crossroads Center, Prescott College, can you can you do you, you probably have more experience with this than than I do? How do you describe the music of Devil Makes Three? Uh, how do I describe our music? Um, I'd say our music is wow. You know, it's always kind of tough, but I'd say our music is sort of a mixture of all the bands that we love, basically, uh, boiled down into one big pot. So we have a lot of different influences, and uh, we just sort of have combined them all into this strange monster that we call the Devil Makes Three. And I think it is a strange monster, because a lot of bands will say, well, we play, it's kind of influenced by what we like, but, uh, I mean, you can probably, you know, put them in a pocket, like, oh, you like Van Morrison, but you also like Luther Vandross. Boom, you're done. But mm-hmm. you, you guys, no, no, no. I mean, the closest thing I've come to is if the Pirates of the Caribbean ride was set in Appalachia, boom, that's as close <laughs> as I can get. Yeah, well, we like a lot of different stuff. I mean, we've got, you know, we like Django Reinhardt, and we like swing, we like country music, but we also like punk music and punk rock and heavy metal. So, I don't know. We have, yeah, we have a ton of different influences, and uh, we sort of just let them all come out the best they can, you know? Let all 
Well, you got that hard beat, like I think of uh, Django and the Hot Clubs, uh, but uh, also you, you, your lyrical material. It's uh, it's pretty. Um, how can I put it? You know how that uh, that uh, bluegrass music sometimes can have that wow. There was some alcohol involved in that lifestyle kind of lyric content. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Yeah, it definitely does. Well, I mean, you know, we the the music that we listen to, I definitely have, you know, write in, in a certain style sometimes just because of the people that I love. You know, I definitely grew up listening to a lot of blues and uh, and country music, and so, you know, influenced the way I write, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not just that glib kind of country. There's a murder ballad vibe to it that I, I find really, really strong. Yeah, yeah, well, I love that stuff. I mean, you know, I think it makes for a good um, a good story. I always try and tell a story in, in my songs, and so, um, you know, it makes for makes for good, uh, good subject matter, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about that it's an acoustic band, and I know we're talking about uh, slide acoustic guitar and uh, tenor banjo and five-string banjo and upright bass, which is always refreshing, no drummer. Uh, but the energy is, is, is not like sit back and now we're going to play, you know, Long Black Veil, Please Be Quiet. It, no, it's not like that at not. all. No, we, we strive to not have it be that way. Um, we kind of, we, when we started the band, we were sort of uh, hoping to play acoustic music, but get people to dance and have fun, you know? So, uh, you know, when we first started out, we were playing a lot with our friends' bands, who were mostly punk bands and rock bands. And, uh, you know, we would open for them. So it was like, you know, sitting down and being quiet was sort of out of the question. And, uh, you know, since then, we've encouraged people to dance. And we're also, when we play live, everybody's plugged in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a lot louder than your average acoustic band. So I'm assuming you have, uh, you have some great stories about chasing down feedback then. Uh, no, actually. Once we started playing with amps, our problems were solved. <laughs> Every time I see uh, an acoustic band playing in the microphones in a loud environment, I always make a point of trying to talk them out of doing that. We did that for years, and we did have feedback problems then. It was uh, kind of a nightmare. But as soon as we plugged into amps and started playing sort of in a different configuration, more like a rock band, our problems were solved. I am a huge proponent of using using amps, even if you call yourself acoustic. <laughs> There's a pointer right there. Now, speaking of pointers, Lucia, who plays the upright bass, uh, as I understand it, didn't start out on upright bass. She, in fact, started on absolutely nothing and just kind of learned the, the instrument as she went along. Yeah, it's totally true, 100% true. Uh, she had an, she's got an electric bass, but she hasn't really spent much time playing it. And... Uh, when she joined our band, we had rented an, uh, an upright bass that another guy was playing, but he was in many other bands and didn't have time, so we kind of just had it laying around. And she picked it up, and Cooper, for the most part, taught her just you know the basic root notes, you know, to go along with whatever chord we were playing, mm-hmm. and how to alternate, alternate back and forth. And pretty much other than that, you know, she quickly became better than we could, you know, better than we were at playing the upright bass, and we. She just taught herself, and uh, she's really she really picked it up fast. I mean, she's a quick study, and I think that also she's just sort of has, has she always wanted to do it. So I think it was already, you know, there in her mind that she was going to learn to play the bass at some point, and she just picked it up and flew. 
I got to ask you about venues. I mean, the this music is is so unusual. I mean, it, it okay if it was a house party, you know, in in some back, you know, backwoods place in the 1920s. Well, then yeah, you'd have your venue. But uh, it is so out of step, if I may say that, uh, with uh, current pop music trends and rock trends. Where are your venues? Where are you playing? We actually mostly play, well, it's weird that you say the house party thing, because we used to actually play a lot of house parties. Um, that's kind of where we started out. But these days we play, um, we play mostly rock clubs. Um, that's usually our venue, is just, uh, rock and roll clubs. I mean, um, where most of the uh, you know indie rock bands or punk bands would be, who are on tour, would be playing. And we've tried playing the sort of folky kind of places in the past, and it just doesn't really work as well. It seems like our audience is more at and are willing to come to a, a rock venue. And all ages is also all ages show spaces definitely tend to be really good spots for us, although they're hard to find these days. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Now, lyrically, I, I touched on this earlier. Uh, people who enjoy uh, the the darker, more um, story-driven folk music of the past, I'm I'm not talking about that fluffy stuff. No crew cuts need apply. But the mm -hmm. the darker stuff, uh, I'm thinking about. There's one line in one of your songs, "Just leaning on my shovel in this graveyard of dreams." Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty solid uh, imagery right there. Uh, when you're writing, what are you drawing on? Uh, what are your influence in that respect? Uh, well, you know, songwriting is a strange thing, even for me, a person who writes songs. I can't exactly explain totally how it works, but I mean, for the most part, I draw from, you know, personal experience and uh, other people's experience. You know, I think I just sort of keep my eyes open to uh, what's happening around me, and that's generally where I, uh, where I get my my uh, information from. I mean, I couldn't really tell it to you more than that. I think sometimes, you know, there's songs that you write that you don't actually know where they came from at all. They just sort of uh, appear in your mind and uh, you write them down, you know. Sometimes those are the best ones. Yep, yep. In fact, I'm thinking about uh, Elvis Costello. When he first started, he, he was talking about how he was trying to have relationships that would lead to more songs until he realized, dear God, the kind of songs I'm writing, I'm going down a very scary place here. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely true. But, I mean, you know, personal experience is the best place to write songs from. I mean, I think that's what produces the best stuff for me, and it's what I think, you know, people I listen to have, uh, you know, that's, that's what's, uh, that's what's, works best for them, so kind of just taking after people that I like. <laughs> <laughs> now, what led you to Prescott? I mean, we are not really on the big thoroughfare of uh, touring uh, rock acts. That's more like Flagstaff or something like that. What, what yeah, brought you well, here? We're also playing, um, playing Flagstaff, but we, uh, we were actually going to go to Tucson, and for some reason uh, it fell through, and a friend of mine said, you should go play Prescott, so we thought... Why not? And we had um, we had two days in between, and he'd been trying to get us to play there since he was going to school, and he's now out of school, and uh, I think on the East Coast. But um, yeah, he mentioned it, and I thought, you know, why not? And uh, also, the you know, the benefit for food up bombs and, and push up was sort of a draw as well, because um, you know, I'd like to help out both organizations. All right. Now, where are you playing in Flagstaff, and when? We're playing a place called The Green Room in Flagstaff, mm -hmm. and uh, it's uh, not the day after, but the day after that, so that would be the 
23rd, I believe. Flagstaff hipsters listening to this on the broadcast, if uh, you're uh, thinking, dang, I don't want to drive all the way down to Prescott, well, first off, hello, it's downhill. But, okay, <laughs> if you don't want to spare the gas for the drive back, then two days after this gig, October 23rd, over at the Green Room, uh, you can see The Devil Makes Three. It's uh, definitely a college town kind of show. We're really glad to have them coming to Prescott and playing Prescott College. Uh, also, since it's, as uh, as Pete was saying, it's benefiting Food Not Bombs, uh, an organization that has done an awful lot in this town to uh, raise consciousness and to uh, raise uh, funds and food for people who don't necessarily have the food that they need. Uh, and frankly, we don't want to give them bombs. This is also benefiting the Catalyst Info Shop. If you haven't been ever to the Catalyst Info Shop, it's on McCormick, kind of behind uh, uh, Prescott Coffee Roasters, or Kitty Corner, if you will, to the Charlotte Hall Museum. Uh, if you haven't been there in a while, I was just uh, cutting through there, uh, back parking lot, uh, maybe a week ago. I was amazed. That place was packed. Packed, packed, packed with people using this alternative news, alternative culture site. It's hard, just like this band here, Devil Makes Three, it's hard to really typify Catalyst Info Shop. It's basically uh, everything that's not being shoveled at you by the media, that's what they're doing. You might want to stop by and check it out. Uh, pick up a ticket for the show, Devil Makes Three, October 21st, 8 p.m., Prescott College at the Crossroads Center. Uh, it's Tuesday. What the heck are you doing? Don't watch television. Come down and catch this great show. Uh, an amazing, hard-to-define band. We're going to go to a break now. We're going to talk to our uh, patrons. If you see anyone walking down Gurley Street from uh, the Frame and I, the art store, uh, from Charlotte Hall Museum, from uh, if you're on Cortez Street, if you see people from the Prescott Fine Arts Association, please do thank them for supporting KJZA and publicly supported radio, this little radio show. Uh, if you if you dig what we're doing here, please let these folks know because they're shelling out of their own pocket to support it. We do thank them. In the second segment, we have a new episode from the Blue Rose Theater at the Charlotte Hall Museum. A new episode of their radio theater play, The Ladies of the Garden. And in the third segment that we come back to, oh friends, his uh, media handlers, his, uh, his uh, machinery has uh, prepared Pete for these softballs I've been lobbing for him in the first section. But Lordy, I don't think they prepared him for Andrew's five big questions. We'll find out. Be right back. I'm absolutely bored to the sharks with your conversation. See what they say. So thrown overboard and disappearing to the waves. Welcome back, Hokio, as we once again join the Charlotte Hall Museum's Blue Rose Theater. In our virtual radio theater here on the air, we are going to listen to The Ladies of the Garden in a series of episodes. This play by Jody Drake illustrates the women who are memorialized in the Charlotte Hall Museum Memorial Rose Garden. This rose garden celebrates women born prior to 1900 who lived in Arizona prior to statehood in 1912. To nominate a pioneer woman for celebration in the garden, stop by Charlotte Hall Museum, enjoy the garden, and find out more about it. 
This garden was originally suggested by Evelyn Perkins in 1938, and in 1948 Dorothy McMullen presented a plan for the garden to the Charlotte Hall Historical Society. Funding was by the Arizona Federation of Garden Clubs, planting was done by garden club members and members of the Yavapai Cowbells. In 1974 the Rose Garden was moved from the south side of the Governor's Mansion to the north side, where it is today so that people passing by the museum on Gurley Street could enjoy the garden as well. Now this play, originally written in 1996, blooms anew in our theater on the airwaves. I've reserved the two best seats in the house down front, and the curtain is ready to rise. The beauty of life, it was all around me. I just love to read Miss Charlotte's poetry, don't you? <laughs> Where Coronado's men of old sought the Pecos fabled gold. Vainly many weary days, now the land is all ablaze. Where the desert breezes stir earth, the old sun worshiper lifts her shining chalices up to tempt the priestly bees. Every golden cup is filled with nectar sun distilled. And the poppies, poppies would stray over the mountains and far away, seeking still quivers gold, when your wealth is ours to hold. It has been a pleasure. I think I'll go join my friends now. Good night. I haven't seen her in so long. I'm so really excited. Don't know. I thought she moved. Well, hi there. How you doing today? It is so glad to meet my neighbors, especially when you're doing chores and you're sitting around and gabbing and just going on. Oh, excuse me. I haven't even introduced myself. My name is Mae Young, and, and since I've started, I'm just going to keep right on going and tell you a little bit about myself. Well, I was born on January the 7th, 1878. Our home was lovingly called the Goodwin Homestead, which was down on the fork of Walnut Creek and Apache Creek, about 50 miles northwest of Prescott, Arizona. My, my mama and papa, Edwin and Rose Imus, were one of the first ranching families to settle in the Mojave County. They homesteaded the old Camp Will site. God bless my mama. She knew the day that I was going to be born. She traveled 40 miles over a rough dirt road in a lumber wagon. Can you imagine? Bound and determined to have a white woman deliver me. <laughs> well, she said I was born at night, feet first, and believe me, I have been on the move ever since. I married a fine-looking cattleman. George White Davis. We tied the knot at my mama and papa's ranch on December 25th, 1897. Well, that was a wonderful Christmas gift. George and I built our first home down at Hackberry, but later traded that home plus $1,000, which was a lot of money back then, for that magnificent Trout Creek Ranch. <laughs> Our house there was built at the foot of a high red bluff. 
Well, I'll never forget one morning that I was headed out the kitchen door and I opened that door and, and lo and behold, there was a boulder staring me right in the face. Well, sometime during the night, this boulder had rolled down the hill. My husband's cousin, Wesley Jackson, he was such a smart man. He figured out a way of putting rollers under that house and moving it away from that bluff. I don't know how many times our house was saved. <laughs> that was a sight to behold. My George and I were blessed with four wonderful children. Dora Dean, our first girl, was born October the 4th, 1898. Then came Rose Dorothy, June 28, 1904. My first boy, Jack Wyatt, well, he was born January the 4th of 1913. And last but not least was Lily May, born December 26, 1914. Another wonderful Christmas gift. My George. He would die in his sleep on September 20th, 1921. I never got to say goodbye to that man. He was, he was a good man and a good father. He left me with a few head of steer and the ranch and I tried to keep the ranch going, but back then in 1921, banks were just not lending money to women. So, by George, my, my daughters and I, we moved into town and we worked in a laundry and we did any odd jobs that we could find. My life would take a different fork in the road in 1923. I married John Brown. George and I had met him years back when John was riding through the country and came upon our place. I was chopping wood and George was playing his fiddle on the front porch. <laughs> Later on, George said that he had noticed that I was a good-looking woman with dark red hair, and he'd been in love with me ever since that moment. John wasn't a young man when we married, and he'd never been around young children. And my children did not like the man, so they made life pretty miserable. We divorced after a few years. No sense in leading a life that's not happy. In 1937, my life would take another fork down a different road, and I married Todd Young. We ran the Poverty Flat Cattle Ranch in Skull Valley. <laughs> no use going into details over that one. We were divorced in 1945. <laughs> one thing for sure, I was left with one long name. May Eleanor Imus Davis Brown Young. <laughs> Try writing that a few few times. It takes a, a bunch of strokes. <laughs> After divorcing Todd, I moved into the Hotel Vendome back in Prescott and, and lived there for several years. During that time, I, I hired myself out as a cook. You've been listening to The Ladies of the Garden by the Blue Rose Theater at Charlotte Hall Museum. Tune in for another episode, same time, next week. And welcome back to the Prescott Arts Beat. This is your host, Andrew Johnson Schmidt. You're listening to KJZA 89.5 FM, or in Prescott, 90.1 FM, or over the internet, 24 hours a day at www.coyoteradio.com. 
org. And if you'd like to send in an email and say, hey, I want to hear more like this, or don't ever have somebody back in here writing songs about people dying, then you should send me an email at andrew at coyoteradio.org. I'm not saying I'm going to do what you tell me to do, but I'd love to hear from you. And I'll read it over the air. And uh, we're talking here with Pete from The Devil Makes Three, a band that's going to be coming into Prescott and playing at Prescott College in the uh, Crossroads Center, Tuesday, October 21st, 8 p.m. It is a benefit for Food Not Bombs and the Catalyst Info Shop. An amazing band that uh, it's just hard to categorize, but boy, you, you got to check it out. And you know what Pete doesn't know? His, his media personnel, his uh, management, did not really brief him on Andrew's five big questions. What he doesn't realize is that we have rootsy singers coming through here day in and day out. Hey, you got to check us out. We are even more rootsy than these other people. But statistically speaking, they can't all be rootsier than each other. And that's why we've had people in white lab coats develop Andrew's five big questions. Five innocent-sounding questions that, when answered right off the top of Pete's head, will lay bare his soul and let the audience know, hey, do we come down Tuesday for that show at the Crossroads Center, or do we stay home for that Night Rider Marathon? No pressure. No pressure at all, Pete. Question number one. The songwriter not now living I'd most like to write a song with is... Singer that's not living now that I'd most like to write a song with. I'd have to say probably Towns Van Zandt. Uh-uh. The, uh, probably Towns Van Zandt would be up there. Classic. Um, if not Towns Van Zandt, then I don't know. Possibly uh, Willie Dixon, who wrote a lot of the music for uh, tons of blues artists, uh, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters. Yeah, he Chess Records in house uh, songwriter for yeah. years. Yep, Chess Record songwriter, Willie Dixon. Yeah, he was great, too. Question number two. My kitchen always contains... Hmm, my kitchen always contains... Uh, I'd say baking grease. <laughs> okay. Organic? Yeah, usually. Okay, all right. Question number three. The live show cliche that must die is... Wow. Uh, I'd have to say the cliche that must die for live shows. I don't know if it would actually register as a cliche, but uh, self-deprecating banter on stage must die. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's probably my least favorite thing in the world. Uh, Or the before the song banter that's, you might not like this song very much, or I haven't worked on this song, or it's all these things that really no one would ever know if you just kept your mouth shut. That would be my number one thing that has to leave the stage. They're going to post that outside the state fair next year. No yeah. self-deprecate. Well, folks, we're just so happy to be here. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't really like that very much. I mean, it seems like it seems like you know you're there and people are there to see you, and they're probably going to enjoy themselves. If you just give them a chance. You know, it's funny. There's actually, there's no other job I can think of that's like that. It's not like when you go to a mechanic. He's like, oh, I'm going to try really hard. And um, thank you so much, so much for letting me try to fix your car. Right. Or I'm probably not going to do a very good job because 
the last car I fixed, I totally messed up and put all the parts on the wrong spot. I mean, who says that? <laughs> it's like it's, it's, you're hurting no one but yourself. Yeah. Well, question number four. My mom never guessed. My mom never guessed. Uh, my mom never guessed that I was on LSD when I was a teenager. <laughs> and how many of us can say that? My goodness. Question number five. And long-time listeners know, of course, question number five, double jeopardy, and those playing the home drinking game, double shots. Kingston Trio. Funny or not funny? I'm going with not funny. Not funny, not funny. And actually, uh, I don't know, there's a whole like era of folk music that I'm not a fan of at all. Um, I don't actually, and this is going to be bad and maybe this will hurt some people, but I don't really like Pete Seeger. What? And I don't, and I like his songs a lot, but I don't enjoy Pete Seeger's delivery. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Know. Yeah. Sacrilege. Yeah, it comes as a big surprise. I know I get a lot of I get a lot of uh, flack for that, but I just don't. And there's certain Kingston Trio and sort of this the sort of precious era of folk music. I'm not not a fan. Not a fan of it. Is this but a calculated maybe, attempt on your part to try to get more people to come to the show to protest, and you're going to sell uh, them tickets? Maybe I don't know. You know, controversy it sells tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad to have been, you know, part of the part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking to Pete here from The Devil Makes Three. They're playing Tuesday, October 21st at 8 p.m. at Prescott College at the Crossroads Center, of course. And uh, this is a fundraiser for Food Not Bombs. And uh, did, did you consider doing a fundraiser for Bombs Not Food, or was that just never on the table? Uh, I think that fundraiser is already in progress. Oh, yes, it is. Well, try this one out, folks. It's a, a little less lucrative, but it does get the job done. Also, the Catalyst Info Shop, where tickets will be on sale prior to the event. Remember, that's on McCormick Street in the old McCormick Arts District, Kitty Corner to the Charlotte Hall Museum. Pete, Lucia on upright bass, and Cooper on guitar, tenor, five-string, banjo, and he won't be playing musical saw, those of you who've been following them, because... Uh, he he doesn't play that on stage. They lose part of their rhythm section when he you know goes off the guitar. But uh, this does put paid though to that rumor that he only plays it in the studio because he only plays it with his feet in the sandbox and the lights out and don't make eye contact with him when he's playing the musical saw. It's completely a canard. Do not believe it, folks. That's true. Hundred percent true. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see an acoustic show played like a rock show with the intensity, with the backbeat, with the conviction, and them story songs, you got to check this out. October twenty-first, eight p.m. Prescott College. Pete, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Mm, oh, great pleasure. We hope to see you again in our town. And uh, Tucson's loss is Prescott's gain. If uh, you have a chance to see them two days later, October 23rd, in the Green Room and Flagstaff, heck, maybe make it a doubleheader. Catch them both nights. That might be interesting. Folks, we're here every Sunday at noon on KJZA. If you missed the show or you want to share it with a friend, do check us out at www.coyoteradio.org. And remember, Prescott Arts, 
that's our beat. Mm -hmm.